0: Thanks for listening to the Adam Carolla show on podcast one. Hey, happy new year, everybody. What a day. A lot of people, uh, watching a lot of football on uh, new year's day. So we thought we'd keep a theme going. I talked to Eric Dickerson, NFL, great hall of famer Rams, great hall of famer and a few other teams, Colts as well. Um, I talked to him for my Take a Knee podcast, and we thought we'd share some of that with you. So you can go to podcastone.com slash premium and get yourself set up for not only all the Take a Knees, a lot of inspiration there, people, but uh, all the archives, like just everything we've ever done for, I don't know couple bucks a month. It's it's like nothing these days. I was going to say for a price of a cup of coffee, but I just went to Starbucks. I got like a grande latte thing. It was like $8, so it's cheaper than that. Anyway, without any further ado, NFL great, Eric Dickerson. Socrates, Buddha, Lombardi, great teachers, mentors, and coaches throughout history joined now By Adam Carolla. Don't do your best. Do my best. Time to be motivated, inspired, and get wise. It's time to take a knee. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. No choice but to get on. Mandate, get on. Welcome to yet another Take a Knee podcast, our motivational podcast, and I love football. I love how it pertains to motivation, and I love this man. Eric Dickerson is our guest. I'm a huge Rams fan. Probably the biggest time I was as big a Rams fan is when Eric was uh, toting the rock for the Rams. Back in the 80s and into the 90s, and he's in the Hall of Fame now. He's a six-time Pro Bowler, and I used to love to watch him uh, perform every Sunday. So good to see you, Eric Dickerson. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I always uh, There's a couple things I remember about you. When I'd watch the Rams and you would play, first off, in a day and age where everyone is stripped down, no one's wearing thigh pads anymore, nobody's wearing almost anything, you always had the neck roll on and the elbow pads. You and Jackie Slater were the guys who actually padded up for the game versus streamed (laughs) down, but you never saw running backs putting extra weight. (laughs) <laughs> on to them what was that about
1: well um you know i was just I, I was a big believer in you know having as much padding as i possibly could because you know football uh still is but back in those days it was a very physical football a very physical game and um you know a lot of guys felt like they need to be lighter but you know i was fast and i could carry the pads so it, it didn't bother me at all i wore i wore flak jackets uh i had my shoulder pads reinforced wore the neck roll a little hip pads thigh pad you know Butt pad. I wore the, I wore shin guards at one time.
0: So most, what a lot of people don't know is guys like Warren Sapp would literally just put on cleats, socks, and pants. No cup, no butt pad, no hip pads, no thigh pads. No, just like literally wearing Pants, yeah, yeah, those, and yeah. socks. Like yeah. there wasn't anything there, and then a smaller pair of shoulder pads as they could get them with, and then a jersey tucked in. Like it was literally like he's playing football with just the helmet.
1: You got it. Well, a lot of guys did. A lot of defensive guys did. An offensive, like an offensive running back, you couldn't get away with that. I mean, because you got to understand, Taking you hit. You hits hit from everywhere. I mean, you never know where the hit's going to come from. A defensive guy, pretty much, his his hit's going to come straight forward. Uh, he's making a tackle. You know, he's not taking a hit from, from uh, like five or six guys chasing him. and if he, Unless he puts the ball under his arm, then it's different. But, you know, for a running back, it's way different.
0: And Jackie Slater, I believe, wore two face masks. No, so <laughs> nah,
1: he wore one. <laughs>
0: I'm telling you, now Gary's got to find pictures because Jackie Slater had the full cage, and then he also had like the Bob Greasy quarterback <laughs> Uh, mini ca- well, thing not, over his head.
1: I, no, it, looked, well, it, was all, it was one cage. It might look like two cages, but it was one cage.
0: We're gonna, I'm going to find uh, you a picture, that, Eric, that, and you're going to owe me an apology.
1: Okay, I'll owe you an apology.
0: The uh, nerd wallet is uh, one of the things we're here to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's a financial service that Eric's partnering with them to help teach uh, finance to NFL players, which is... I heard a stat by one of my sort of nerd football buddies saying that like 89% or something like that of ex NFL players were basically broke, you know, five years out of the league. There is, there he is. That is Jackie Slater. He's wearing a drop face mask that and a second face mask up top. You
1: owe me an apology. That is not Jackie Slater.
0: Oh, damn it. <laughs> no, that's not Jackie Slater.
1: What I don't is know who that? that is. I don't look like Deacon, but that's not even Deacon. No, no that's not Deacon. No, that's after no, Deacon. No, no that's not That's Hold not on. Jackie Slater. I'm not going to argue with the man who played with him. I know that says, not, it not, says, says not, it's Jackie Slater. That is not Jackie oh, Slater. Oh, you're going to owe me another apology <laughs> that back. Not. Who else said that's Jackie Slater? is not Jackie We're Slater. We're
0: going to find Jackie Slater, and then you'll owe me... A third apology. Okay. So, um, oh, there he is. Number 75. Jackie Slater's number 78. Damn it. <laughs> Who the hell is
1: that then? So, you see, so you got it all wrong.
0: Well, not that wrong. Uh, <laughs> somebody from the Rams with two face masks. somebody
1: from the Rams, but not Jackie Slater. Damn
0: it. It's driving me nuts now. All right. We'll continue this okay. uh, frivolous okay. search. Nerdwall. Uh, yeah. Yes. So. The amount of guys that are broke, you know, five years after their career or ten years after their career, whatever it is in the NFL, is is heartbreaking like 78% and astounding. So I right,
1: seventy percent of guys uh, consider, I mean, have some kind of um, distress, financial distress after they retire. Like I think it's like sometimes two to five years. You know, in, in, in our era, you know, people thought that you know, look at you know, you're making all this money. You you weren't. I mean, minimum wage is forty thousand dollars. I mean, a lot of guys had two jobs. You played football and then they had another job in the off season. You know, and, right. Um, it just wasn't a lot of money. I mean, when I came in, I made one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I mean, people thought I was I wouldn't. I I just wanted more money from the Rams. It it wasn't like that. I mean, the guys started really making real money. We started making real money, you know. Like when I left the Colts, I mean, left the Rams. That's not got really paid. I got over a million bucks, and that's what I wanted from the Rams. But guys were not making money. Still, it's pretty much it's guys making money today, but on on an average, it's the uh, the stars, you know. if, If it's three or four guys on a football team. Everybody else is making that you know four five hundred you know because minimum wage is four sixty five now. I mean four hundred thousand is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong.
0: No, That's but let me let me tell everybody from a guy, uh, meaning me, who used to get by on about eleven grand a year. Um, you can make two million bucks a year. You can make four hundred k a year. You can make five million a year and you get to the end of the year and you don't have anything left over. It's really easy. It's easy. (laughs) It's easy just to go. You Like they say, like a a goldfish grows to the size of the bowl that it's in. Mm -hmm. You can easily spend to the bracket you're in so that you get to the end of the next year And you're back at zero. Most people
1: overspend. If you're making ten million a year, you're spending eleven and a half or (laughs) twelve. Right. If you're making a hundred thousand, you're spending two hundred thousand. And this
0: notion of where you go, like, who needs all that? Or please, you're making five hundred thousand bucks a year. You can't sock away. (laughs) No, you cannot. It's easy. It's very easily screwed up.
1: (laughs) Well, first of all, you 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 have bills. You have and you have especially being an athlete. You know, you have these 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 buddies, these hanger owners, these these friends, all, you know, everybody wants to wants a, wants a piece from you. You've got a lot of crooked agents who get you in these bad deals, you know, and you got gotta think, you're talking about a guy who comes out of college. You know, I'm just talking about right now. You got a guy who's coming out of college, having no money, and all of a sudden he goes from having zero dollars to all of a sudden he's making two, $2. and a half million dollars a year. Right. And you don't know what to do with two and a half how you never taught what to do with two and a half million dollars a year. You've got a Say $10 million dollar signing bonus. You don't do a ten million dollar signing bonus. So some guys rely on their agents, and uh, you know me, I'm just not. I don't. I don't trust agents It's a it don't get me wrong. It's some good agents out there, but on 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 average, they're not because they're not for the player. They're not trying to help the player. You know the company uh, NerdWallet. This name is not agents, but you know they try to teach uh, a young player, not even a player, just a person. You know if you want to shop for a credit card, how to get the best interest rate. If You want to buy a car. You know where to buy. You know get the best deal on the car. Um, and agents, you know, there's a lot of them. They, this is all about them, what they can do for you, you know, for themselves.
0: Well, it, the whole game and and life is very much this way. It's all about what can people, what what can you do for them? So, so, pre, so I mean, for
1: preservation.
0: Well, I mean, you think about it, it's it's no more prevalent than it is in sports and or show business. Like, Hey, one day you're Matt Lauer, you get 25 million (laughs) bucks a year and now you get zero a year and stay home. And you think about, I mean, you talk about the Rams. I remember when Joe Namath came to the Rams and it was like, he was no good. He was too old. His (laughs) knees were shot. You know, it was Joe Namath at some point you get spat out and it's just going to happen. Yep. In sports, and it and if you're an attorney or a doctor, it might not happen until your 79th birthday. But when you're in sports, it could happen on your 26th birthday.
1: It, you could be it could happen on your your 22nd
0: yeah, it could birthday. Yeah, blow out your blow, whatever. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, they are guys that go from you know leading the league and rushing to can't remember the dude's name two years two years later. Well, the the
1: bad thing about the about the NFL is is that nothing's guaranteed you know, for the player. You know, the coaches' salaries are guaranteed. The head coach's salaries are guaranteed. The general manager's salaries are guaranteed. But the player's salaries aren't guaranteed. And, and people, you, you say, I, I, I've said this for years, they don't hear it. You know, like, well, you got, you know, he got a, a five-year deal at, for $30 million. I said, let me explain something to you. He won't see all that money nine times out of ten. they don't. Most quarterbacks will, but play, it's just that in the football it's not like that. You know, they they're really one year agreements is what they are. And and they can and they can terminate that agreement anytime and that's it. They can have you could have twenty million dollars left on a contract and that's it. You don't see that money. They
0: don't yeah, people don't understand just I had a radio thing that was like three years, ten million bucks and it was like three point whatever million bucks the first year and then three point seven the next one. You do the first year and they pay you and then you get around to the next year. They go, all right, we ready? And they go, eh, ah, we've decided to give you half of that. <laughs> and you go, I thought we had a deal. And they're like, yeah, we did. But now we're, uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to re- reconfigure things a little bit here. And so all that stuff you think is just. Oh, this guy's gonna walk home with this. And even if you do walk home with that, have fun with the tax God man. Say, have, and fun the agent. The ta-
1: have fun with the tax man and the agent. I mean, look, when you make, I mean, you see a guy making $30 million, I'll just use that as an example, $30 million. he doesn't take home $30 million. Like, like, like they back a truck up and they get, it doesn't work. Like, you got taxes, you got all kinds of stuff you pay, you got agents, if you have an agent, you know, if you got kids, I mean, you, you incur bills.
0: So you start off poor, right? Yeah, almost definitely. Um, I, th- I remember I haven't seen your uh, I love uh, Football Life mm-hmm. which is great I watch yours which is Excellent, um, but I haven't seen it in a little while, so I'm trying to I'm trying to piece it together. Were you in Texas? Sealy, Texas.
1: Sealy, Texas. Town of is two thousand people, two thousand like three hundred and fifty seven people.
0: And a like kind that. of poor that we're just never really going to see again because now you're poor, but you have a flat panel TV and a cell phone, <laughs> and it's like uh, and you got uh, yeah, cable uh-huh. and stuff. Like you're not you grew up poor, like Ooh, uh, like hey. I remember when um, when Joe Frazier died. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few months back or a year ago, whenever it was smoking Joe Frazier, it said, son of a sharecropper. Yes. And I thought, we'll never hear that again. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like your dad was a sharecropper. sharecropper yeah. But Eric Dixon grew up poor, poor, like yeah. old school, old, old turn of the century, poor.
1: Yeah, my, my dad worked for the railroad. He had retired when well, I, you know, I was adopted. So I was I was legally adopted by my great great aunt. My dad had retired. Um, he had a bad heart, and my my, my mother, did, you know, was my mom. Uh, she worked as a housekeeper, so you know we wouldn't been making a lot. We wouldn't have we didn't have a lot of money at all. I mean, I won't forget one time I looked at um at my I don't know how I was doing. I was going through a checkbook and looked in a checkbook, and, and we had I think twenty three dollars in the bank, right? So you know, but hey, you know, we, we managed I, I can say I was never ever hungry. Uh, I always had you know clothes on my back, um, you know, but. Man, we were we were not rich by by no means of, of, of the of
0: did it how we never stop talking about that in today's political climate. But I also feel like when you're a kid and you're an athlete like you were, and all you want to do is get outside and throw the ball around and tackle somebody and just make some hay while the sun is shining. Do you even know you're poor? I mean, you know you're poor, but <laughs> does it really affect you? No. Without everyone screaming at you how miserable you should be, like I feel no. like just getting no. out and riding your bike and going out all day, or if you have a dog or any of your kids, neighborhood friends. You know,
1: I'll give you. No, not at all. I never even thought about that. Some of my friends said, "Man, you're rich." I mean, if we weren't rich because we, if we got a new car, if the year was 1970. The new car, the new car was 1965. You know, that was, that right. was a new car for us. Um, you know, I. You know, I think now, like just like right now, you know, when I, you know. Years ago, I, I, I had a girl I was dating, and she had she lived on off, right off of Fairfax and Peak on an apartment. And I had my house; I lived in Calabasas. I still live lived in Calabasas; had my big house there. And I would go to her place, and she would. I'd, I'd be over there like three or four days in a row, right? And she's like, "Eric, it doesn't bother you, you know, in this one bedroom apartment." And I'm like, "No, I never. I mean, it never even crossed my mind because I didn't grow up like that. Look, I didn't grow up rich. I mean, and you know, still today." It still trips me out that people even know who I am because that does not supposed to happen for me, for Eric Dickerson, where I'm from. If you saw where I'm from, a little town in Texas, no, that, that doesn't happen, you know. And, and and you know, being a so-called superstar, and playing in the National Football League, that wasn't even on my radar. I mean, I wasn't thinking about playing playing pro football. It just kind of it was a blessing from God. It just kind of happened, and you know, and and I embraced it.
0: Well, I will. I uh, I tend to talk people out of the luck or blessing from God's stuff, but in your particular case, <laughs> being your size and having the foot speed <laughs> you had, um, oh, left tackle John Williams is the guy who wore the two-faced Ah, uh-huh. There you go.
1: Yo, wait, wait, wait. I owe you an apology. There you go. Say it, say it again.
0: I'm sorry, Eric Dickerson. Okay,
1: yeah, you got it. I wow. accept your apology.
0: It's just the J, Jackie, and John is so
1: close 78 and 75 a little bit.
0: Damn it. <laughs> All right. Wow. And by the way, I owe apology to a lot of people because I used to tell everyone, Jackie's later wore two, two face masks. Bags. So um, you have size and you have speed. And those are two things that are sort of touch by God stuff because it's really hard to affect your height and your foot speed. No, don't let anyone fool you. No matter how much you train, no matter how hard you work, no matter what you do, <laughs> you could shave a couple tenths off your hundred time, but that's about it. That's about that's it. That's, when that's you're just it. when you're blessed with speed, you just have speed. and When you're slow, you're slow. Quickness you can work on. I speed, not, not, not nothing. We can do about that. No. So your size and your speed are very sort of once in a lifetime and very few and far between. For that reason, they must have at some point been thinking about putting you at defensive end or something like that. A uh, lot of folks, they try to get punished a little because of their well, size. Well, I, I, play, I played
1: free safety. I played free safety uh, in, in high school. But uh, when I started playing football, they wanted and me And running back. And running back. No, right. well, they, they, they had me at wide out. Oh, they, they did? Yeah, I hated that. Hit me a wide. I'm like, I don't want to be wide. I want, because my favorite player was OJ. I say, you know, he's tall. I mean, I'm tall. I, I, I can play. And they were like, you're too tall to play running back. You know, you're too big a target. I'm like, but I want to play running back. So, you know, eventually I, I got the chance to play running back. And uh, I I, 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 like, I like playing running back. That was the position I liked the most. Uh, I was good at it. I mean, I play, I won't forget my first football game. I was in seventh grade. And, because uh, I didn't, you know, we didn't play Pop Warner. We didn't have that in small towns. Um, and the game was on a Thursday. We played the Wall of Bulldogs.
0: So you were in junior high?
1: Mm-hmm. I was in junior high, seventh grade. So we go play the Walla Bulldogs and it got, it rained, it rained that day. So we couldn't play. So we had to play Saturday morning. And man, I was nervous. I mean, I, I was, my number was 45. Mm-hmm. And then we go over and uh, they, I won't forget, I was on a kickoff team. I was on a punt team. So they kick off and I got the ball and I ran it back for a touchdown. And I love football from that point. I think I had six touchdowns that day. And wow. I just, I just love football. I mean, I, I just, I just loved it at that point.
0: Well, was it also something, uh, I'll speak from personal experience. So I played all through peewee football and, and all that and come from a poor family. It was like, well, finally something I'm good at. Like everything else, I wasn't good at schoolwork. The family was kind of a mess. Everything was kind of a mess. And then I'd go here and I could be good at something. And I felt like it was very attractive to me because it's nice to go be somewhere where I can excel. But I couldn't excel in the classroom and I couldn't really excel at home. But I felt like I could excel if I went here Mm -hmm. and did it. And that becomes kind of important when things aren't great at home and things aren't great in the classroom.
1: I agree with that. Uh, I I can say I had a good home life, so everything was good at home. In my classroom, I was pretty good in class. I was pretty good in class. I had one teacher say, you could be a really great student, but you're lazy. And that was true. I mean.
0: And did for you, were there thoughts? At what point did you start kicking around the notion of making a living playing football?
1: Uh, I had no clue about even getting drafted until my friend Harvey Armstrong played for the um, Philadelphia Eagles. He was at SMU. He recruited me to go to SMU, and they were coming in to play the Dallas Cowboys. And football just wasn't wasn't on my radar. I love playing it, but I didn't think about playing pro. Uh, so he comes in town. He, say, he called me, say, Eric, I want you to come over and meet Wilbur Montgomery. He's he, I'm running like, wow. back. I'm like, wow, Wilbur. Montgomery. I'm like, okay. From running so back he, was, for yeah, the he had a part. He had an apartment there, so I go over and I meet you know, Wilbur Montgomery. And I meet him. I'm like, wow, he's little. I mean, I'm thinking, wow, he's a little guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, he said, he said, Eric, man, he said, it's Wilbur. I'm, I say, nice meeting you. And he said, wow, you big. And uh, I'm in Harvard. Said, hey, man, you know they they're talking about uh, drafting you. P- teams talk, ask me, ask me about the Eagles. Ask me about you. And I'm like, ask what? about what kind of player are you? You know, you're you as fast as they say you are and I'm like like I'm like drafting? He said, Yeah, like they're talking about drafting. I'm like and he said like i f I'm like I'm like, well how does I asked him just like this, so how does it work? He said, Eric, you possibly gonna be a first round draft pick. I'm like, So what does a first round draft pick get? He said a lot of money. <laughs> I'm like I'm like, really? So that that was the first time I kind of heard about possibly me playing professional football and um from that point on, I was more really interested in it. I'm like, well, okay.
0: Is it because you come from such a small town where that just stuff doesn't really exist? That you it. That's it.
1: That, that's exactly it. It's, it's almost like the small small town mentality. I mean, I and I got to say that because um, I had a, a a friend of mine that I was I, my best friend's brother. His name was Henry Hill. My best friend's name is Gary Hill. And um, I go back home after this is after my rookie season. I'm back at I'm back in Texas and. I'm, I'm, I'm there at my house. You know, we just kind of like in the yard talking. And I'm, I bring, I say, yeah, I had, I had a party. You know, I'm Magic Johnson came to my party. And Gary's brother said, oh, come on, Eric, Magic Johnson, come, man, you don't know no Magic Johnson. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I'm like, Henry, I know, Eric, stop lying, man. <laughs> you don't, you're not even on that level of Magic Johnson. I'm like, Henry, I'm, I was all pro. I mean, I was, freaking, oh no, I don't, I, no, I don't see, I don't even see that. You, that's not you. I'm like, oh, and that's so, once again, that's the small-town mentality. You just, you know, you don't think of that. You don't think of that happening for you or no no one you know. And I just teased him about that last year. I saw him. I said, you remember the time you told me that I didn't know Matt? He said, man, yeah, I know. I I said, you sounded crazy.
0: It is weird. It's also weird what resonates with people or what means something to people. So going in first in the draft and getting money and buying a house – to your friend may not have meant anything, but Magic Johnson coming to your house that <laughs> means something. That, that,
1: that means something. Yeah, I
0: that. had a guy who worked for me is like almost like a ranch hand, except for like here, like carpenter patching the roof, doing the stuff like that. I've known this guy Gary, another Gary, for a million years, and he he kind of he always understood that I got paid a bunch, and I did show business, and and knew this guy and that guy. He never said anything about it. And then one day he's a motorcycle guy and I had a Harley. And I said, I'm gonna sell this Harley and he said, Why? And I said, I ah, don't ride it. And Mike's hard lemonade gave it to me for free anyway for doing some promotional <laughs> one and he went he stopped. He went, What? And I said, you know, they gave it I did a promote. me and Jimmy did a promotional thing with them and they gave me this Harley. They gave Good you darling. a Harley? I said, yeah, 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 that's, we did a promotion thing and they just, they gave you. And I thought, you've been to my house. You've seen my warehouses. You've seen my Ferraris. You've seen it all. Like none of it's ever made his needle move, but somehow because his world was motorcycles and your friend's world was Magic Johnson now it meant something you got it
1: and they gave it to you
0: and, and they came He could it never to you. get past that thing yeah. and it was you know it was 9 grand worth of harley <laughs> but they gave it to him and he couldn't get he couldn't wrap his mind around that and that's interesting that small town mentality and uh and mindset now when you become successful and all all of a sudden you're leading the league and rushing and rookie of the year and all that kind of stuff how do you avoid the trappings and the pitfalls? How do you avoid all the folks from the small towns?
1: Um, you know, um, I got to say, my, my mother was pretty frugal. She was kind of, you know, she was right to, she was straight to the point. You know, hey, you can't be giving these people buying, you can't be doing all that stuff, Harry. You know, because I wanted to, I'm, I wanted to build her home, and she's like, I'm an old lady. You don't need to buy me, you don't build me a house. I said, no, I want to build your house. So that was that was that was one of the first, my first big. Purchase, I built my mother's house you know right there in Sealy Texas it's still she's passed away but I still have the house and uh, you know that was that that was big for me but you know you try to avoid you know you got all the 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 friend, the the friends the the pookies the 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 sleepies the little dead man all them guys you hung around with back in the day you you, man, you can't do that i mean you you got to kind of separate yourself not not saying you're better than them but you just can't you you can't engage in that anymore because like you know, a lot of my friends they were they smoked weed you know and got high I never got high I mean that just wasn't me I mean I would never never use drugs so that was another thing and you just have to try to stay away from that kind of stuff especially coming to L. A. from a small town I mean it was a lot out here it was a lot going on because that was the time you know cocaine was big and going to clubs were big and you know girls and everything was big I had one I had one vice the girls that was it that was my only vice you know <laughs> just like going out with the girls so. That was, that, was, that was it I, and i had to try to you know control c- contain myself with that and, and that was that, that was my vice
0: well you i mean la in a town and that time it was you know rams and lakers and a little bit of dodgers and not so much the kings and uh yeah magic johnson and some yeah. of the lakers were the the men on the basketball side and pretty much eric dickerson on the uh, on the football side there wasn't a whole lot of uh you know, like I said, uh, you know, people knew Jackie Slater's name, but I don't think the ladies were throwing him them <laughs> Jackie, Jackie
1: was married, and I was single. Oh so, man so, so that was that was the difference. I was single.
0: and uh you know, can you it's a weird thing, right? You think back every once in a while I think back on those days when just everything was sort of new and exciting. Like this notion that you could buy a new car; oh, it didn't I mean, have to I be mean, five years old. I mean,
1: it was it was like it was new. I mean, everything was like new. Like when you wanted something, you wanted it right now. You know, being impatient for it. I mean, I wanted I wanted a uh, I wanted a Ferrari. I wanted because you know I like Miami Vice, and I wanted a Testarossa. Right. And I wanted a white Testarossa with tan interior, just like right. they had. And I was trying to find what I wanted The price I wanted to pay for it, I knew what I wanted to pay for it, and. I found one, but I mean, but I won when I saw it. I mean, I'm like, I want it right now. <laughs> I just, I want this car. So, you know, you have to just kind of take your time, slow down. Um, you know, you, you learn over time. I mean, I can say I, I put a lot of money into cars, things I probably shouldn't buy with cars. I mean, you know, cars lose value, especially, you know, if you don't hang on to a car. Like, if I, if I had the Testarossa and that might be worth something. If I had my Trans Am, I think it might be worth more than my Testarossa I had than I had, if I had the Trans Am I had in college. But, um, you, you waste a lot of money. You know, young players, you waste a lot of money on, on different things, on, on, on trips girls uh you know back and i it again back in those days a lot of drugs and i wasn't but a lot of guys wasting money on drugs a lot of guys went broke doing drugs i mean some guys from my former players i mean and they've cleaned themselves up but they'll say man you know i wasted a lot of money on drugs didn't was it
0: rod perry i didn't who? play with rod but yeah i knew rod you came in after rod Perry. i was after rod yeah someone who got busted for like Dealing drugs or smuggling <laughs> drugs or whatever—you know. got to figure it out now, Gary. It's going to drive me nuts. Like, it was it wasn't Nolan Cromwell. No, no, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <fair>. but <laughs> but it, I play, I played play with,
1: and played with Nolan. And you know the thing about playing back back then is that I won't forget that it was my first our first preseason game, and we come in the locker room at halftime, and guys are smoking cigarettes, drinking whiskey, and, and drinking beer, and I'm like, at
0: you know, halftime, at half, I'm like. What the hell at is halftime oh, of a Rams oh, football game?
1: Easy. I mean, they they smoking cigarettes. Yeah, coach, run over that, run over that play again. I'm like, oh, wow, man, and drinking like, beer. Oh, bro. drinking beer. And then there's some other guys because we, you know, you, you know, after you retire, you say you know, here we've been we been we been in the bathroom doing cocaine, lines of cocaine. I'm like, huh? They say, oh yeah, man. They say, see, you didn't do that stuff, so you didn't do it. So we didn't, you know, went around you. And, you know I didn't do it, so you know i i wouldn't I would not around that, so I didn't know, but yeah, a lot of guys did did drugs, you know steroids, all kind of stuff
0: uh we should mention by the way, your uh, cousin Ricky seals Jones is uh, uh new yeah. in the leagues playing tight end for the Cardinals yeah he's doing very well and doing well uh obviously good good genes to fall back on <laughs> uh now did you your cousin did you did you know him i mean did, were you close did you did he mentor him?
1: I've known Ricky uh, from the time he was born. Me and his mom, are first cousins, and uh, I won't forget. He came to my house. He was probably like three years old. Came to my house in Calabasas, and I'm like, my cousin, her name is Theodora. But I call, we call her, her nickname is Buffy. I'm like, Buffy, this boy runs around everywhere. I mean, he had, man, he had so much energy. I'm like, this boy is gonna play some kind of sport. Well, luckily, you know, he went to Texas A&M. Uh, he was a one of the, He was a top recruit in Texas in uh, high school football. A receiver. He's six foot five. At that time, he's probably like two twenty. Um, played wide out. I never thought they used him right at Texas A&M. I just, I just never did. So, make a long story short, when uh he was coming, you know, he was thinking about possibly coming out because you know he was getting frustrated there. And I told him, I said, "Ricky, I said, I said, I'm gonna tell you something. I said, I really think that you should change positions." And he said, "Really?" I said, "Why?" I said, "I said, I'm gonna tell you one thing in the NFL. It's all about mismatches." I said, "You're a mismatch for a linebacker or a safety. You're six foot five, almost six six. You're big. You're fast." And you're physical. He's physical, and he's—I mean, he—his he, mother said, "Eric, he looks just like you in a uniform, only taller, because he's cut." Uh-huh. And uh, I said, "Rick, I said you will be a nightmare for for a linebacker, tight end." So he—he he, kind of fought it a little bit, but he said, "Okay." So he embraced it. And uh, he went to the draft. They still had him listed as a receiver. But, you know, I told everybody he was a tight end. I was telling, you know, different GMs about him and coaches. And, I mean, I said my cousin. I said, him, you know, I tell him, hey, he's going to be a tight end I there. I think I can t- he's going to be a really good tight end. And, you know, people think you're saying it because you're your cousin. And I'm not that guy. I don't care if it's my son. If I didn't think he could play, I wouldn't say it. I, I just knew it. I, I could see it. I, I could just see it. I, I knew how good he was. I knew how, I knew how hard he works, how respectful he is. And I, uh, you know, and he, he wanted to be because he loved football, he wanted to be a uh-huh. great football player. And um, sure enough, he didn't get drafted. And the first team that called him was Arizona. And then the Texans called him right after. And he was at my house. And I was in Sealy when he called. And they had him called there. And so he he asked me, he said, uh, so, you know, what team do you think? I said, who called you first? He said, he said, Arizona. I said, I like Bruce Arians. I said, you know, they got Larry Fitzgerald out. I said, one of my best friends there, Roy Green, that played for the Cardinals, works for the Cardinals. I said, I would go to Arizona," he said. "I'd, I'd, I'd, I'd like to go to Arizona because I want to get away from Houston." And sure enough, he got there, and it's, it's, it's worked out. I mean, when he got from the time he got there, everybody said, "Man, Eric, they like him. He, he's raw, but they really like him." And I said, and I kept telling him, Ricky, "They like you. Make sure you know your playbook." He said, "Eric, I know." He said, "I know both tight end positions. I know wide out positions because he's a smart kid." And the bad thing about college is, is that, and, and I say this to I say this to coaches if you hear it, any of you co- co- college coaches. It's bad when they try to hold kids back. Ricky wanted. To, he, was, he said, I'm. I'm a, I think I'm going to declare. And they wanted. They wanted him to stay. So they started bad mouthing him. He's not tough. He's not smart. I mean, I'm like
0: so trying to hurt.
1: Yeah, hurting Hurting hurt hurt his ability hurt, to hurt be it, drafted. To be drafted. You know, may, try to try to make him come back. He's not smart. I'm like not smart. I said this kid is very. He played quarterback. So you know. He, he said I, I can. I can read the defense better than receivers. So. um when he decided, before he decided to come out, he's playing his last bowl game. And he wasn't sure yet. I said, now, Ricky, I said, I'm going to give you a tip. I said, now, watch, I'm telling you this. The first couple of plays, they're going to throw the ball to you, but probably all four or five times in a row. <laughs> sure enough, just like I called it. First four passes went straight to him. They hadn't threw that much to him all year. I said, I said, they're trying to bait you to come back. And he said, I'm not coming back. I don't want to come back. So I can say this much here. He's had a, he's right now he's having a, a really good year. He's loving playing for the Cardinals. He had, uh, to, uh, two touchdowns to two weeks ago, had a touchdown the week before. Didn't get a touchdown, but got some catches last week. Uh, but I expect him. And I, I kept saying, I said, I think he'll be a, a great pro. I think he'll be – I said he'll be a better pro than he was college player for sure.
0: Well, uh, I think if there's anyone to listen to in terms of prognosticating, it's probably Eric Dixon. <laughs> well, you know, people knows. think
1: you're saying it because you're related, but I'm, I'm, I'm not that guy. No, I am you're not I'm that not, guy. I'm not that guy. And you
0: can't be – in football, you
1: can't be right. You, you can't, can't. You can if you want to be. I was. But kinda, you can't
0: make somebody into no, something they, with not, words. It doesn't no, work. It, it doesn't
1: work because because look, everybody can see it. They're Like I don't see that, and they didn't see him as a tight end. I'm like it's it's plain it's plain to me. I mean, he needs to put on a few more pounds before then. But he was two for like two forty. You know, he's now two fifty five. What did you play at? Uh, your I played at uh, 225. 6'3", 225. I came out of college. I was
0: uh, about two eighteen, big. In the running back department, and fast, and always had this thing where it never looked like you were, we're working back. that hard. I just know. ran uh, away from was, man, ran it was, away from people. It was,
1: it was a it was like a it was a it was a gift, but it was a curse at the same time. I heard that so much, like I wasn't trying hard. Matter of fact, I was at a bar. Me and some guys, I was playing with him <laughs> as my rookie. See, we had a well, just
0: so people know who can't picture it. Eric ran, first off, he didn't lean forward that much. He just sort of <laughs> ran up and down. And he also just wasn't doing the stuff that, um, you know, you take uh, Barry Sanders or no, something. like That That guy I, looked like he, he, was like he was killing was himself <laughs> trying to move that ball. And he had more negative yards than any other back <laughs> ever had. But he looked like he never stopped burning calories. And Eric made it look smooth. And because it was smooth, it made it look effortless. And because it was effortless, they probably thought he should have been trying harder.
1: Exactly. I, I heard that so much. So I'm, I'm at a bar uh, on Olympic Boulevard. This is my rookie season. Me and Three three other guys, you know, we drinking and laughing and talking. to some guys come over. And we start talking to them, and the guy said, "Man, y'all play for the Rams?" I say, "Yeah." He said, "You Eric Dickerson?" I said, "Yeah." And we so said, we get to talk and drink. And he said, "Man, I'm telling you, you, you don't you don't look that fast on TV, man. I'm telling you, I'm, I, I said I cannot run you. I said, dog, you cannot outrun me, man. I'm telling you, you're not that fast. I ran track. I said I ran track too. So we get into a debate, right. a, a debate. I'm telling you, man, you ain't that. I say, I tell you what, Doc, let's just take it outside." <laughs> he said. Okay, I said let's just go outside. So all of us went outside. And they were like, "Eric, come on!" I said, "I'm not gonna get hurt." Go outside on Olympic Boulevard. I never forget it. So he says, "Well, give me a jump." I said, "Well, you say you cannot run me." I said, "Right." Well, I said, "No, I don't." I will tell you what, I give you a five yard jump. He ran like a sixty. He said, "Okay." I took my, my took my shoes. I ran barefoot. Took my shoes. You ran off. barefoot. Oh, I took, I'm from the country. I took my <laughs> shoes off. And this is after your rookie season. It's, this is this is during my rookie season. During we're playing, your we're season. playing football still. Wow. Sure enough, we line up. They said go. When they said go, I was right next to him. <laughs> when I got, he said, "Man, you don't look that fast." I, said, I told you, don't let that TV fool you, man.
0: <laughs> Barefoot down Olympic Boulevard. Oh, Coach Robinson. Oh, uh, Coach must Robinson. Must have been coach oh, back he, then. Yeah, yeah, Did? Uh, yeah, so you ran track. What was? What was? Were you doing hundred meters? I ran. I ran hundred.
1: At that time, it was a hundred yard dash. I ran a nine three. was a nine three nine three nine hundred yard dash? And I once state in hundred and then my uh that year they went to meters in the in the state track meet. I ran a ten one hundred meter and my favorite is a two hundred. I ran a 20.6-200. So I mean I was a, I was a spreader. I mean I, yeah. I well, no, Yeah. You know, anybody,
0: anybody runs a hundred yard dash anywhere in the nines is super blistery fast. And if you're low nines, then and, and then if you run, about and if you it.
1: run a state in Texas, you can run. So I won a stay in my home state of Texas. Getting uh uh, saying Bolt, but
0: I'm getting a nine five eight, but that's in the meter. That's a meter. Now, that's, that is, that's a whole can't be faster than different level. Uh, now, they're saying here that it's Daryl Henley was busted, but yep. that's not the guy I'm no, thinking of.
1: He's right. It's Daryl Henley. Daryl Henley, he's, he's still in prison. Who? I didn't play with Daryl Henley, though. He was a he was defensive back. He's Pat right.
0: Thomas? Who else got – there's some <laughs> DB search, for the Rams that were, were bothering me. I mean, when you search Rams – you know, drug bust. This every article, Daryl so Henley. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was a Darryl big Henley. drug
1: bust. He wanted to kill a judge.
0: Yeah, he hired a contract killer to kill the judge mm-hmm. and a witness. He's got like yep. forty one years. The Speaking of, uh, oh my god, with that Ray Carruth's kid and uh, Ray Caruth is getting out of, uh, going to yes. be getting out of the prison any time now. I heard next about that. next year or so. That is as insane a story. You know what the. The scariest part of that whole Ray Carruth thing was a wide out for the Panthers. Um, had a girlfriend, got her pregnant, decided he wanted to deal with it, so he hired a couple of just street thugs to shoot her, basically. Mm-hmm. The craziest thing about, and the saddest part about that entire story for me is when they're interviewing the guy who shot the nine-month-pregnant 23-year-old girl and they're just just sitting in prison. And he said, uh, "I was like, ah, he gave me four thousand dollars. Did you know her? No. Did you know him? Not really. So he just give me four thousand dollars to go kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that scares the death out of me. The fact that for you know five grand or, or <laughs> under." Malign or under, you just can go find a guy who's wandering around who has no problems with shooting uh, a woman. Shoot, a pregnant shoot, woman. A pregnant
1: woman, shooting anybody. I, it's funny you say that. I was watching television last night on, on one of those eye detective shows. No, it was Dateline. And a guy paid a guy, and I just heard him say, you know, he, he gave me $25,000. I'm like, to uh, kill his wife. And they killed her. I mean, I'm like, Twenty five thousand dollars to take a human life? I'm like, wow, that's that's what it's worth. I mean, and you then you said four grand. That was even cheaper. Gary, you're gonna look it up, but I mean it it was
0: literally like five grand or or less, like the you know, a used pickup truck and you'll take somebody's life. that is sad, scary, and insane to me. And now Ray Caruth, the guy who ordered the hit, is gonna be out of prison and is gonna want visitation. For his eighteen-year-old, severely developmentally injured son, because he was shot, the mama was shot multiple times while while she was pregnant with him, and he's going to have the right to for visitation with that son. How 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 old is the son now? I think the son is eighteen, just turned eighteen, just turned turned eighteen, severely impaired. Uh, watch that story and go hug your kids at night and thank your lucky I, stars. I love, I
1: love my kids. I got three kids. I got an older daughter. that's thirty. I have a granddaughter, Irie, and then I have uh, a daughter. That's twelve. A Carish. She runs track and plays basketball. I have a start. have a little son. that's five. You know, and he's man. He's a trip.
0: God. Now, what what do you want for him in terms of sports?
1: Uh, whatever sports he wants to play. I mean, I would never push any sport on him. Football. Basketball base, whatever he wants to play. He, he said to me the other day, he said, um, dude, I think I want I want to be a, a race car driver." I'm like, "Okay, if that's what you want to do, okay, no problem." And then he said, "No, nah, you know what? Because he likes planes, I think I want to be a pilot. I want to fly planes." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Okay, son, that that sounds that sounds good to me." I mean, you know, it's, it's the, the you know our kids today, my my kids, and I think a lot of people, you, probably your kids, too, if you have kids, are, are very fortunate. I think about how I grew up, I didn't have an opportunity to do that. I mean, the first time I flew on a plane, I was on a recruiting trip, so um yeah. no you know. well,
0: you don't when you grow up poor like we grew up, and then but also the the poorest part is information, minus yeah. information yeah. no internet, don't know anybody's <laughs> no done internet. anything, can't figure anything out. Everything sounds insane, like mm-hmm. you know, I'd see people. You'd watch TV and it'd be, hey, the Brady Bunch are going to Hawaii for a family vacation. I'd go, how does that work? When do you (laughs) go to Hawaii? (laughs) We buy buy tickets, you get on an airplane, you go to Hawaii, you stay in a hotel. Like, who, how? How does any of this work? Like, it's mostly confusing. It's not, I wouldn't think like, oh man, we're poor, we can't do that. I'd more think like, what are they doing? How doing? How do you book a room in Hawaii?
1: Well, yeah, when you're a kid, I guess you think like that. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think about it. I know I wasn't going to Hawaii. I mean, I used to watch Don Ho. I'm like, man, golly, <laughs> I, I want to go evil. to Hawaii. I want to go to Hawaii one day. I mean, the first time I came to Southern Cal, I came on a recruiting trip to USC, and that was the first time I'd ever seen mountains. Well, I think it about seeing mountains before in in, in Oregon because my, my 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 mother's sister, you know, we able to train to to Portland, Oregon, and uh, I was like, wow. And then I went to, came to Southern Cal on my recruiting trip, and I'm like, man, look at these mountains. So I, I was in awe of, of mountains. I, was
0: uh, Robinson? The head coach? He coached at SoCal. He was the
1: head coach. He he recruited me.
0: Oh, he recruited <laughs> he you. He Recruited me. Yeah, he recruited. You didn't go to no, I didn't. USC. I didn't. I didn't go to SC, No. Uh, uh you you went and became uh, part of the Pony Express uh-huh. or the uh, better part of the Pony Express over uh, at SMU. Mm-hmm. And, and can
1: I can I say something? Uh, yes, I, I just found out. Um, when I was coming over here, and it's it's a very ironic. I was watching, um, I was watching the 1982 Cotton Bowl, and we played in the Cotton Bowl, and um, just watching you know us play. And I got a call from um, one of our alumni that said my old coach Ron Meyer had passed away today. But he passed away on the golf course, had a massive heart attack, and man, it was just it hit me like a ton of bricks. So um, I just want to say to the Meyer family, if you hear me, I mean, I love Coach Meyer. I mean, really, I mean, he was a guy. That my mother loved. That's the, the reason I went to SMU is because of Coach Meyer. And he kept his word to me and my mom. He said, I'll always treat him like he's my son. And he said, he said
0: I'll i make you rich one day. I won't forget that. And I'll make you famous. And so. The, the You know, I don't think people who don't play football understand what a huge impact coaches play in a young man's life. No, they don't. It is massive. And you don't get it out of baseball and even other sports, it's great if you've got a good coach, you're playing baseball or basketball or something like that. But football coaches, they're sort of like generals that lead you into battle, and they make a huge difference in kids. And especially if the kid is missing the dad at home, big life-saving, I, I would say, between having that guy who becomes that sort of father figure cares provides discipline, but also praise and everything else. Just what a massive positive impact that football coach can make. And again, I played a bunch of sports. The other coaches were this sort of space savers. They just show up, take your, take the place, have you run some drills and stuff. But <laughs> football, there's a lot of philosophy, in football and a lot of life lessons.
1: Well, football is all—it's all up close. I mean, it's a—it's a—it's a contact sport. You know, coaches are pretty much in your face a lot. Not all the time, but in your face a lot. Uh, it's a lot of time. Uh, you know, and something in the meeting rooms and, and learning. You know, the plays and it's an intimate sport. It really is. Uh, so you know, a guy like like my my coach, my head coach, Ron Meyer, was a guy that I really admired. I really did. I mean, I've, I've we've always been close. Um, since when I retired, uh, when I played, uh, when I went to India, he's the reason I went to Indy. I mean, I didn't go to India because I wanted to go to India, I went to Indy because I got traded. But he was there. If He would have been. there, I would have never went. I mean, so, um, you know, a lot of coaches they they play a big they have a big impact on on, on a kid's life. I can say this much here, as a, even high school coaches, you don't realize how you can help a kid or you can hate hurt a kid. You can make a kid. You can make a kid hate you as a, as an adult. He'll grow up hating you because you think, you know, you're trying to make him a man, or, or you. Sometimes they mess over kids because they don't like them or they don't like the parents, you know. Um, and my high school coach, I did not like my high school coach at all. I mean, and I never forgot it. I mean, my high school coach tried to hurt me as much as you know at, at times because uh, he was from East Texas. He never coached black players before before he go. And he got to Sealy, um, kind of picked on us, and all the black players quit. At one point, and then I won't forget one they guy. quit stayed.
0: together. All
1: of them quit. All of us quit. All of us quit at one time, except one guy named Winston Brown. He stayed on the team, and he came to everyone's house that summer and came back and asked all of us to come back and and You, play you again. guys quit after the season? No, the season was going on. We quit during the season. During the season, because can't have all the brothers yeah, quit. <laughs> we quit. We all of all of us quit because I mean it was it was it was just crazy stuff. Well, was, was it just racism? Yeah, it was it was racism. It it was it was, it was to a point where. I, I won't forget it. He he made it where okay. I don't want anything in the bottom of your lockers except your shoes. If anything's at the bottom of your locker, you're gonna run for it. Like you kidding? A piece of paper couldn't be in there. But just during, just lo and behold, it was always the black players. that something's in the bottom of the locker: a piece of paper, your jock, your helmet, a sh- you know, right. a shoestring. Just all mm-hmm. of us, and it, it, it became it just became, became crazy. So, you know, he had us out and we run He He made us run. You'd run out the, I mean, I'm talking about run with your pads on. And finally, just. One guy would quit. Another guy, I man, I'm sick of him. Go in, run in, then finally everything. And I'm like, you know what? This is, I just, I'm quit. I just this, this is ridiculous. So I quit too. And I won't forget a guy named James Abernathy. His name was Shaq. A little short guy. He lived in another town over named Brookshire. Uh, he was a big football fan, but just a big sports fan. And um, he came over to uh, my house. And, um, we knocked on the door, and I liked Shaq, his name was Shaq, I liked him. And I saw him drive up. He said, Hey, he said, Hey, Ms. Dickerson, I say, Hey, he say, is Eric there? She said, Yeah, come on in. He said, Ms. Dickerson, do you mind if I take Eric and talk to him for a minute? She said, Sure. And she, I didn't know what he wanted. So I get in the car, with him. we ride around. He said, Eric, he said, Man, how you doing? I said, I'm good. He said, Um, I heard you quit football. I said, Yeah, man. I said, I don't like that white man. I said, Man, he, he racist. I said, Man, yeah, everybody quit. He said, He said, Eric, he said, let me ask you a question. Who do you plan on doing? I said, man, I don't know, Shaq. And I was only I was only a uh, sophomore. Mm-hmm. I said, I said, I, don't, I said, man, Shaq, I, I don't know. He says, uh, Eric, he said, let me ask you a question. What do you see in this town when you ride around? And I thought, I said, nothing. He said, Eric, it's exactly, there's nothing in this town, son. He said, let me tell you something. He said, go back and play sports. He said, that could be your way out. He says, man, and it's funny how older people can see things you don't see, or your parents can see things you how don't see. How old was Shaq? Uh Shaq was probably in his 40s mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I was 40, 15. 15, 15 years old. Right. He said, Eric, he said, uh, you're one of the best athletes we've ever seen in these parts. He said, I'm from and he was from a town over, from the from the rival town. Right. He said, I'm telling you, Eric, you could go you could go places. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm thinking me. I am thinking he said, I'm telling you, he said, if you don't want to play in Sealy, come on play in Brookshire. We'd love to have you over here. So I said, Okay, I'll think about it. So when I got back, Mom said, What did you what did he say to you? He said he asked me about going back playing football. My mother hated football, so she didn't really care. She said, right. I hate that game. So, sure enough, the coach came around to all the players' homes, and he asked us to come, to come back and play. And we all went back. We, you know, eventually we all kind of got together and went back and played. Uh, and did I like him? No, I, I did not. I still didn't like him. We won. We won state in spite of him. Won our state championship. I was senior year, and I was. And I was. I was the high, I was the, the, the number one recruit in the nation. My senior year. I was. It was me. John Elway, I think Marino was third. You know, I, I still have the, the, the list. That
0: is a great list.
1: And uh, so um, me and him getting into an argument. And he said, you know, I'll just tell Because he wanted me to go to the University of Texas. He was a big Texas fan. Mm-hmm. I tell his coaches, you're not interested in going to college, you know. I told him, I said, man, F you. I don't need you. I said, if they want me, they will come to my house and get me. I don't I don't need you. I mean, I'm talking to my high school coach like this. I'm a kid. right? And so uh, – Sure enough, they would come to my house. I told him, I said, I don't like my high school coach. Me and him don't get along. It's not. I mean, just don't like him. So about two years ago, I talked to him periodically. Somebody, you know, talk, his name would come up. I said, I don't like that man. I don't like him. Uh, what really, you know, I think, hit me was we were at the Hall of Fame, and I was with. I was talking to uh, Michael Irving, and his high school coach was there. And I said, Mike, he said, man, I love my high school coach. He said, man, that man, he said, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And I just thought about it. I'm like, wow. And a lot of guys said how much they care for their high school coach. I'm like, wow, I cannot stand my high school coach. And so two years ago, I'm at home, and a buddy of mine, he calls me. And he said, Eric, he said, what's going on? I said, nothing. He said, As I'm at the golf course. Said, I said, you talk to somebody. Somebody want to say hi to you. I said, okay. And he gets on the phone. He said, hey, Eric. I knew his voice right away. Yeah. And my heart started beating fast. Almost like being a kid again. Right. I said, how's it going, Raph? That was his name, Raph. I said, how's it going, Raph? He says, it's going good, Eric. I say, I say, good, man. He said, Eric, I just want to say something to you, Eric. He said, I want to apologize to you. He said, I want to apologize. To you. He, say, he, say, he, say, a, he said, I was an idiot. He said, I was was an effing idiot. I said, I just got to say that. He said, I did a lot of things wrong. And I just want to say that I'm proud of you. You know, you've become a, a really good young man. He said, I just want to say, I'm, I'm sorry. When he said that to me, it it, it, it kind of changed. It changed things. I mean, I'm like, Okay, because I, I knew I, I'm like I, I'm no. Are you young? But you think am I wrong too? I'm a kid. Right. But but it really did put some things to rest. But I mean, I wish I would have had a relationship with my high school coach like a lot of guys did. But you're right when you say that that, that the, the the coaches, man, y'all can make or break some of these guy kids' careers. Some of their lives, believe it or not. I mean, they they hold these grudges forever. Oh. <laughs> Even even Sad. bosses, guys you work keep guys you work for when you were a kid. I hate him.
0: Listen, I hate Mike Stremat. It was the first foreman I had on a construction job. See when that I was is that's what I'm saying. Do you remember his name, Mike Stremat? asked me my kid's middle name. I'm like, oh, <laughs> geez, it was after my wife's dad's name. I don't. but Mike Stremat, I know very very well. Well, before we go, let's talk about uh, the current Eric Dickerson working mm-hmm. uh, for the uh, Rams, VP of Business Development. Rams. Uh, I'm a lifelong Rams fan. Grew up in LA. There is no you know, people say to me, like sometimes I'll go, Well, first off, they go, Well, why are you a Rams fan when they when they moved to St. St. Louis? Louis. <laughs> See, this always made me angry. Jimmy's cousin Sal, who grew up in Long Island, was always a Cowboys fan. Yuck. And he I know. And he always made fun of me for liking the Rams the whole time they were still in St. Louis. And I said, Well, what am I supposed to do? I grew up as a Rams fan. They moved to St. Louis. We get no other team, so either have nothing. But they're still the Rams. Or still the Rams. Still and by the right way, this coming from the guy from New York? That's what I'm saying. The Cowboys, big, Cowboys really fan. The really Cowboys got a lot of sense. balls bringing that in yeah. here. But uh, this year, man, oh, the good. Rams, and I, I remember I uh, Rich Eisen was sitting right where you were sitting. Probably in in the off season, probably during the summer or something. And I went, oh boy, Rams, how are they going to do again? And he went, oh, this McVay guy, like he said, he's he's for real. And I I said, are you? Come on! And he just went off on how how great the coach the coach was, how young he was, but how good he was. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And uh, here they are, man. Yeah, here they are.
1: I'll, I'll say two things. First of all, uh, you're right. I mean, I played for the Rams, played for the Colts, I played for the Raiders, but. I'm a Ram. I'm. I'm a, I've always been a Ram. And 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 just to show you how how loyal I, I, I am, no matter what is. My cousin plays for the Cardinals. They played the Cardinals last week, and I sent him a text. I say, hey, Rick. I say, I want you to play well. I say, even get even get two touchdowns. I say, but I don't want you to win. <laughs> I still want my Rams to win. <laughs> Um, you know McVay has done a great job with this football team I didn't see it coming I really didn't I didn't know Sean McVay from Adam how could you the guy's 32 I mean, yeah. but it doesn't even make a difference about how, how young a good guy is I, and I said this last week I said you know is it a handbook to say how old you have to be to be a head coach there's no, way no it's up.
0: just you You it's, think you'd it, hear about these guys, but, but they're so young. But, but they, it, it, they haven't been around long it, the, the enough.
1: Young, the young guy, that is a new thing. These young guys, McVeigh has been around football since he was a kid. Played in the state championship. His grandfather was you know, the general manager of the 49ers. Uh, so he knows football. I mean, he really knows it. And he has made such an impact on this football team. The players, the players really respect him. Um, I can't think of the player's name. Uh, he was a defensive player. We, I think he, we sent him to, to um Uh, Miami. And I was at the grocery store. This McVay had just been announced the head coach. I'm at the grocery store, ran into him. And uh, I said, I said, you know, what do you think about Sean McVay? He said, Eric, let me tell you a story. He said, man, he got the job and he texted me. He texted me. William Hayes' name. William Hayes. Mm -hmm. He he texted me and I didn't see the text for a couple hours later, many hours later. And I texted him back. He said, it was like, 12 o'clock at night when I used to say, I'll talk, I'll catch, talk to you tomorrow. You know, I'm sorry I was so late. He hit me right back. Hey, I'm up watching film. You know, if you have time, we can talk right now. And I, he's like, wow. He said, our old coaches would have been nothing like that. He said, this guy, he said, I can tell you one thing. He's committed to football. And that's the thing. You have to be committed to that job, to love that job, the way you love your children or love anything else. Because, you know, you are talking about – uh uh, sometimes a city—you can make a city with a football team. You do. I mean, you you make you make a you make a person's whole year, and you're talking about players who who play a sport they love and get a chance to win. But not, when I saw the Rams last year, it was really sad to see our team come back and to play the way they played. And it wasn't it wasn't the players' fault. I didn't blame them. I mean, it was the coaching. The coaching was terrible. I was at the practice one day, and I see them run a play, and the play was run wrong. You know, they busted it, and they didn't run it again. I'm like, they're not gonna run it again. They don't do it like that around here. I'm like, oh, that's it. Well, they're going to they screw it up on on Sunday. So when you don't have accountability, and Jeff Fisher, to me, never took accountability for some of the stuff that went on. I mean, look, when I mean, you don't win, I don't care who you are. You, you got to win. That's what it's all about. Jeff Fisher was not a winner. Uh, I don't think he really cared at the end. I think he was just hanging on for that for, that, for the money that job. And I wasn't here to Jeff bash Jeff Fisher. I didn't want that incident with Jeff Fisher. He brought it to me. Mm-hmm. And I put it back on him because when he called, he called, he called me on the phone and told me that, you know, he didn't want me on the sidelines and blah, 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 and this and that. And when I said, I said, okay, Jeff, I said, you know, I said, man, I said, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. And he thought he was about to hang up. You said, Jeff, I don't know Jeff and Jeff doesn't know me. He doesn't know my personality. And I, he said, he said, okay, then. Well, thanks, Eric. Go, I said, oh, no, 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 no. Hold up. I said, it's my turn now. So I told him what I thought. That's the first thing I told him. I said, Jeff, I really, man, I said I don't care what you think. I said, honestly, I, said, I, I, I don't give a damn what Why you think. Why did he say that? To I
0: you? don't, I don't Why? Really. I mean, want to talk but, about not but, ingratiating but, but, yourself. But, but,
1: because <laughs> he said that he didn't like that I was talking about his coaches. You know, I was, I was talking, I said, I said, I said, let me explain something to you, Jeff. I don't care about your coaches. I said, I care about winning, just like the city of LA. We want to win. I said, we don't care about coaches. We want to, we're talking about winning. He didn't like us. I said that, uh, Chris Winky wasn't the right guy to coach Jared Goff. I'll say it again. He was. not You see, the, the the proof is in the pudding,
0: and well, look at it. Jared Goff was a uh, you know first first selection, first round pick, who went from a bust to uh, P- possibly top, making the Pro Bowl this possibly year. making the Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl top three or four in the NFL exactly and, in, and, this year. And you have to have Same the co- You have to have the coaching <laughs> at that position. <laughs> nine months older. Yeah, you know? nine
1: months older. So you know it just shows. And like I said, I didn't want that. And, and you know, hey. Here we are, and I'll say it again. You know, it was for if they if they want to give me the credit for getting fired, and I don't like that credit. Hey, I'm 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 always for our fans. It's all about the fans, It's not about the players. It's about our fans. You want to put a good product on the field, and you know, it's pr- we're proud to be Ram fans right now. Really proud. I was talking to Aaron Donald. And I said, Aaron, I said, when you come into a city now, when the Rams come to play, I say it's you have a different. It's, oh yeah, it's it's way different. We walk up, people are like, oh, we we got the Rams. You know, it's not like. Last year, two years ago, win, oh, we'll beat them, win. No, it's not like that anymore.
0: Right, where they just go through the schedule in advance. They go ahead and put a W <laughs> uh, yeah. next to the next, t- next, time next, or two. Yeah. They play the Rams so they can work that out, which exactly. they always do. Eric, uh, I should say uh, Nerd Wallet is where you go, which is uh, the website is nerdwallet.com. Also, uh, the Rams are playing Philly. Philly, Philly and- Oh, wait a minute. Oh, it's the next week. Sorry. This is. Uh,
1: <laughs> no. they playing no. the. No, they play Philly Sunday, this Sunday.
0: Was, yeah, that's true. Walk. They do, but we're airing a different show. This oh. will be one week later than oh, okay. Adam's okay.
1: thinking. Okay, they, they'll be playing uh, Seattle. 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 Played, yeah. Ooh. I'm, I'm going to that game. I'm playing that game.
0: That's yeah. going to be a good game, I've everybody. A good physical
1: game, yes. Good
0: physical game. Yes. And uh, it's funny. I like. Seattle's offense, but their defense makes me angry. I hope, that, I hope the Rams run all, run all over them. So Nerd Wallet is where you go. And, uh, I'm trying to think what else, uh, for you, Eric Dickerson. You want to shoot out, you know, a Twitter handle or anything like that? At Eric Dickerson.
1: At Eric Dickerson. There um, you go.
0: That's it. Well, we can check, uh, and put another check on my bucket list. I met, uh, my idol Eric Dickerson. You.
1: you can catch me on, uh, FS1 on Undisputed with Shannon. And Skip Bayless.
0: And Skip as well. So until next time, Adam Corolla for Eric Dickerson saying mahalo. Congratulations. You're now a better person. And by the way, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for you. Download more wisdom and inspiration next week on Take a Knee. This is Corolla Digital.